what's going on everybody it's the sports queue at cg texas mike and i think we've spanned some seasons we've gone into a new year and here we are back together again and it is freezing outside so that might be why we are able to even put this show together finally but it's nice to see a familiar face and you're going to hear a familiar voice texas mike what's going on here we are off of a, a bit of a hiatus cg Winter has not exactly thawed here. It's been about, shoot, six weeks since we've actually got on air. I was starting to wonder if you were actually a real person. Yes, I was. Uh, I've been going through career stuff, some some changes at a very very fast pace, uh, working long long days, but uh, a lot of things panning out and and working out very well. So. I'm excited for those opportunities and what's going to happen there. We are going to make some more time. I'm going to make some more time to be able to uh, have these chats and put these shows together for our listeners and keep people involved because we just needed that time away, much like uh, maybe we just needed to give the Kelsey brothers a little bit more more shine on on, on their show. But um, Jay, how about Jason Kelsey retiring? Jason Kelsey stepping away is going to have a lot of time to be working on his show game. You know, I... I wonder because he, he I, I get the sense that he definitely wanted to retire last year, right after the Super Bowl, and he came back and did another year. This does feel like a guy that could sit out the first half of the season, though, and ends up on a squad towards the second half of the season, doesn't it? Absolutely, I think that's a high possibility. I see him staying in shape. I mean, look, it, it, it's for his marketing benefit to kind of keep this persona that he is anyway. And, you know, looking at some of our predictions from earlier in the year, that was my pick for the Super Bowl. Uh, accountability tracker is going to say to me, bad move, Mike. What what a collapse by the Eagles overall. My goodness. I've, told people, like that? I've told people that it, they look like a team that felt like they had righted the wrong of the Super Bowl loss to the Chiefs, and then they just stopped kind of paying attention at that point. Maybe they thought the season was over. Maybe they had kind of peaked at that point. Uh, the team looked very disjointed, very disconnected. And the the defensive coordinator shift, I just don't think it was the proper time to do it. It, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense when the team was still playing fine. They were playing some high-level teams. And to make a change like that on a guy that's probably built a camaraderie from a defensive coordinator standpoint to bring in Matt Patricia, who isn't a guy that comes without a reputation of, you know, Detroit and New England and the whole thing. Eh. Yeah, a lot of those ex-Belichick guys are kind of the nerdier type. I couldn't just see them walking into a locker room and, and commanding the room and getting the mesh that you needed. It's it's strange. It seemed like Nick Sirianni's offense, all he wanted to do was throw bubble screens all the time. The league figured that out. Once A.J. Brown went down, deep threat wasn't there anymore. Just kind of injuries. It's it's a very strange collapse after such a impressive start that it's, it's just a strange year in the NFL this year. I mean, you know what's about funny about Houston that, though? Texans. You know what's funny about It's not funny, but you know what's strange about it is like it, we almost keep searching for like what was it? Like the, the audience and, and the fans and everybody keeps kind of looking around like, what do we think went wrong? And you can point at a lot of different things. And I, I heard another host talking about this and because this is not this is a thought that people had. Remember the Sirianni's initial interview when he first got hired with the Eagles and how strange it was. And everybody was like, he's kind of a weird dude. I just wonder if that was kind of hidden by the fact that he had such good coordinators in that season where they were having a lot of success. 
And that changeover has just exposed him a little bit. You had the thing with the security guard and, and then just kind of a lot of little extra little things that show that this team is, is not connected at some point, something, there was a disconnect somewhere and Jason Kelsey retiring almost immediately after the game, I think speaks to that as well. It's a, it's an odd deal, but you're right. If you have a quirky personality, it's a lot more difficult to sustain the attrition that happens with success and the poaching of your and slash promotion of your offensive and defensive staff that happens all the time. You're going to see the Houston Texans going to deal with that with Bobby Slovic. If that's going to be, is D'Amico going to be able to replace him? Is CJ Stroud going to look as good? There's just, there's a lot of mystery when you're a hot up and coming first, second year coach, you're making these playoff runs and then all your guys leave because people figure out they're really good. If you can't replace them, your longevity factor is not going to be there. So, and Sirianni's still the coach, so nothing has happened. It's not like he's been fired or anything. So we'll see if there's any adjustments made. Uh, this is a franchise though, that can, you know, I said, like I said, jokingly to people and fans here in Philly, uh, they were trying to fire Doug Peterson after a Super Bowl year, like four games into the next season. So, it, you know, it, anything can happen in a very, passionate sports fan base uh they're not going to be drafting a quarterback we don't think there are going to be some teams that are drafting quarterbacks and the draft gets real interesting but Jaden daniels we talked about him before the hiatus and talked about the heisman chase um and he he delivered you know i went he went out there and earned it the kid was nothing short of sensational to end the the season that he was on and he deserved to win the award he's older than i thought he's 23 i thought he was younger than that for some reason well, I mean, he, he was a two-year starter at Arizona State and then two-year starter at OSU. So, I mean, that would make sense. Did he have a year that he was injured? So, yeah, that would probably take him to 23. I, I mean, I mean, I say old, and then we saw Michael Penix Jr., you know, at the age of, uh, what is he, 25? How old is Penix? 24. 24. Uh, it's going to hurt their draft status. I mean, we talk about draft status. Age age comes into this at some point where they say, well, is this guy, is he peaking? Is he kind of hit that point? But you're seeing a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be in that same fold. Caleb Williams, Penix, Jaden Daniels with the height, maybe a bit more different. I don't know. What's your opinion? Oh, I, I think as far as Jaden is, is, is he a better prospect than Caleb Williams right now? No, because, okay, he, here's the difference. Caleb Williams has been extremely consistent playing at a high level. His deficiencies are are pretty well known. He's a little bit of a gunslinger, a little bit loose with the ball, but he is an elite playmaker year after year after year. The difference with Jaden Daniels is he has progressively gotten better and added elements to his game that have put him up where now his draft stock, remember before I was saying, hey, you kind of got a Lamar Jackson light right now. As a prospect, Jaden Daniels is the closest thing that has happened since Lamar Jackson has come into the league. And I think the tape is bearing that out. I'm, I'm looking at these mocks on pro football focus. They got him going number three overall to the New England Patriots. This is somebody before the season, there was probably – a low probability that they're going to go anywhere before the fourth round. So it's a meteoric rise. Meteoric rise. We take a look at that draft and those draft reports probably going to be right. 
Caleb Williams can only go down at this point. I think as far as a guy returning to school, like the pictures with him in the penthouse and the NIL deals, it's just all bad. I, I just think the optics of it, it's too much, man. You know, like one minute you're crying in the stands and everybody needs to console you. And then the next minute you're, you know, you got your trading cards or whatever he had. He had like some sort of Pokemons or something like that on the on the counter in his penthouse at USC when they were a fading team through the lane. I mean, Lincoln Riley, as far as a fall from grace in immediate fashion and the water gets deeper now as they go, as the Pac-12, you know, runs in the different directions. Uh, probably the first pick still, but now it becomes the the simple number one pick, and this is going to lead into the next thing we're going to talk about, but you're kind of falling into this, and you feel like you're almost forced to have to take Caleb Williams at this point. You are. There, there will be a minority movement later in the draft process that always happens or maybe 15% of the teams or less will say, Oh, we like Jaden Daniels better, or we really like Drake may. But if Caleb Williams were to fall the number two pick and let's say Jaden Daniels or Drake may was picked in front of him and were a bust, or there was a significant factor in their performance as in separation, that GM is fired. He is gone. Caleb Williams has been the number one pick since before he even went to USC. After that awesome freshman season he had at Oklahoma where he just showed explosiveness, dynamic, throwing the ball deep. I mean, he's he's just a playmaker. And, and can that style work? I think he needs to be reined in a little bit because he fumbles the ball too much. But that's clay you want to mold if you're a creative offensive coordinator and he's got the credentials and the Heisman Trophy. So I would still pick him number one. Sometimes you just outsmart yourself. The dangerous game you play, though, is that you end up in a Bryce Young situation where Bryce Young was the understood number one pick, whether Carolina was going to go a different route, whether they were going to take a chance on CJ uh, and go that way. They took Bryce coaching aside. I mean, he did have Frank Reich, so I don't know how much we can say He's not that dude, you know, Frank Reich should have known how to work with a young guy like that. Now, this is a rookie, rookie quarterback on a not so great team. Uh, however, CJ Stroud has absolutely made it work. D'Amico Ryans is is the secretariat, to put a horse racing reference, is a horse racing guy of coach of the year. Can I mean, he is far and away the coach of the year to me. I don't think it's even close. Um, talk about Bryce Young. And that comparison to Caleb Williams and then also CJ Stroud and what we've seen, this is, this has quietly been, if Arch Manning was having the season he was having this year, Arch Manning would be on every cover of everything that we've ever seen uh, publicized, right? Absolutely. They're chomping at the bit for him to get any game action. And the, the Horns fans cannot wait for this guy to trot out there. And, and, and the, and the starter is coming back. I, I, now what do you do? Now what do you do? Sarkeesian just got the contract extension, and now you've got a legitimate shot to go right back to the national title game, uh, or the the playoff conversation. And your starter that wants to win a Heisman, I'm sure, is coming back, and you have a Manning sitting there, third string still. It's an odd deal. Um, it's going to be worse than Tom Brady Drew Henson controversy back in the day in Michigan. To take it back. <laughs> 
I still remember that Sports Illustrated cover. That's how amazing that that whole process was with the Drew Henson with the the helmet and the bat in the one hand. You're gonna have the biggest prospect, Arch Manning, and you're gonna have Ewers, who Brady was a very solid established starter at that point, kind of like Ewers, and the rest is history. So we'll see. But I want to take it back to the Caleb Williams, Bryce Young comparison. Difference to me between those two guys is, well, I mean, everyone, Caleb Williams is just physically bigger. And I just think more gifted. Bryce Young is more, I mean, let's be honest. He's a little bit of a product. It's looking like there's still time for him to rehab his image, in my opinion. But right now, he's the 29th best quarterback probably in the league. He is horrible. He is one of the worst. And he's looking more and more like somebody that was a product of the Alabama system and less of a true. I get the I get the sense that guys really rally around Caleb Williams. Was there anything she saw in Carolina Panthers? Bryce Young did have that one good game and he flashed a little bit and he looked decent in the Texans game. But overall, he was putrid. I want to see what he can do when he has a better offensive line and better receivers. I, I think there that's a big effort of the causation, a big cause of just the horrible season that he had. But Caleb Williams just has more talent, and he's obviously a way more dynamic runner than Bryce Young. Bryce Young can run enough, but Caleb Williams is not of the ilk of a Lamar Jackson, but he's like in the next class of running quarterbacks, like a not as fast as a Michael Vick, but but can do similar things. The Alabama quarterbacks have become the the quintessential boomer bust candidate. Mac Jones, prior to Bryce Young, he's a bust right now. It just is. You know, Bill Belichick is gone. It didn't work out. You know, it was probably this, the players that were surrounding Mac Jones. Tua has been consistent. He's been good. But has he been the next level type quarterback? Tough to say. I, you know, Tyreek Hill, and you've got a lot of weapons around you. Jalen Waddle, Waddle's out there. Uh, Jalen Hurts was not named the starter right away in Philly. Has he grown in the role? Yeah, he sure has. Uh, he also played at Oklahoma <laughs> outside of Alabama, too. So um, definitely a boomer bust scenario. Um, so there are some question marks for, I think, their quarterbacks moving forward. I think some of these system guys that, and and they're very similar. We're starting to see the quarterback. Everybody wants the athletic quarterback that can do uh, a couple different things and they can really open up the offense from a dynamic sense. I do think that you're also kind of running out of real top quality quarterbacks in the league because I'm looking at the free agent quarterbacks right now, Texas Mike, going into 2024, like in the next season. Uh, Kirk Cousins is the biggest name on that list. You know, you got Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Jacoby Brissett, Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Mariota, Sam Darnold, Jameis Winston, Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew, Josh Dobbs, Easton Stick, Mason Rudolph, and Jake Browning. H have I named one bona fide starter in that grouping uh, outside of Kirk Cousins, who's going to be coming off of injury and is just a, a magician when it comes to negotiating his contracts? Cousins is still... His upside is still middle of the road NFL starter. Is he going to win you a Super Bowl? Zero chance. Oh, I agree. He's not going to win you a Super Bowl. He is. Your team is pretty good. Your draft slot is slut. It's such where you're not going to be able to get the rookie you want. So you bring him in the hope that you get some kind of lightning in the bottle. His hot streaks are pretty good. 
But yeah, you're right. I mean, the odds are are low. It's more of a dart throw, and it's for a dart throw team, a team that's going to play that and hope maybe somebody develops behind him. I don't really know what the scenario is. I agree. That's a crap quarterback list. I mean, Gardner Minshew is a decent quarterback coming off the bench. Your guy gets hurt. He might be able to steal some victories here or there, but none of those guys are top 12 to 14 starters in the league ever. And Jacoby Brissett is a guy that I think he's going to walk right into any head coaching scenario, something down the line. He's been a very rock solid um, quarterback that is always able to perform. He's just a real steady guy. I think once he goes to the sideline, I could see him in a booth. I, you know, I could see he, he could be a surprise kind of guy like that. But yeah, there's just no there's nobody that jumps off the page. Aaron Rodgers, I guess, would be another bit of a question mark, you know, him coming back and that excitement. But those old school kind of quarterbacks we grew up with and those guys we're used to not to, to age us too much. That style is gone and we need some new stars and new star quarterbacks because it's a it's a rough group and they always get hurt. Quarterback injuries is probably the biggest story in the NFL overall and dramatic rise of rookie quarterbacks. Let's talk about that. We're going to take our first break. We're going to come back. We'll talk about quarterbacks and we're going to talk about the NFL and some playoff time. We almost ended up with our matchup, by the way. <laughs> almost ended up with the Chiefs Texans. We'll come right back here on the Sports View. Back from our first break, it's, it's CG with Texas Mike as we're going to talk about some NFL time. Always got to talk about the NFL Especially now, what did you think about the the streaming? That became the big topic of conversation, but the the playoff game that was streamed on NBC Peacock, what did you think about that? Unfortunately, it's going to be the wave of the future. It is. (laughs) It is. You're going to have to pay for play, man. That's just the the way it's going to be. People are still going to want to watch the game. Uh, It's really hard for the restaurants and stuff, though. It's pretty complicated. It's not easy to do that. For the sports bars, too. That hurts them, too. Any any place that relies on a crowd and wants to get the sound on not a good situation plus you have to pay that fee i mean it's like the ufc fights and whatnot like you have to pay a fee in order to be able to even broadcast those types of things in your venue it's not like you can just buy one fight and throw it up on the screen so uh we'll see it was it was it was shocking that the dolphins chiefs game with taylor swift and audience was the one that they wanted on the pay paid service of course, and then I'm sure, I'm sure. pictures of Taylor Swift with Brittany. Is it Brittany Mahomes? Yeah, Pat Mahomes' wife hugging, uh, and there's customized jackets. Yeah, there's a lot of staged elements to that CG. Use use check a, a Polish name, right? Oh, that's a great Polish name. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> let's talk about the NFL playoffs, and let's hit on the Buccaneers and Lions. I don't I don't know how many people saw this playoff matchup. First of all. Uh, the Buccaneers have been fantastic to be able to turn things around like this. I, I know, you know, no more Brady and, and they were kind of just left for uh, just a mediocre team. Baker Mayfield's been fine. He's had a really good season. He's a free agent going into next year. So he might be playing for a contract and they've played well. Um, the lions kind of sputtered into the playoffs. They did they beat the Rams and in a game that seemed to mean a lot. And you were just talking to me about uh, Detroit and how much this means to them because the grown men crying in the, in the stadium and all that other stuff. I mean, uh, what's your take on that? The last time that Detroit won a playoff game was 1991. I was in middle school and Barry Sanders was the best player. 
that's a long time. Why do you think there's a grown man crying? I mean, they got Marshall Mather to do the pregame pep talk on air before. Good old Eminem. I mean, they were they were ready to go. That was a big event for Detroit. I, I felt really good watching that go down the way it did. It was an exciting game. How great was that promo that he hit, though, when he was basically like, hey, Matt, I rapped for you, man. <laughs> really well done. Really well done. Uh, let's talk about the matchup, though. The Buccaneers at the Lions. Uh, the Lions should control this. Uh, the Lions are going to be at home. Detroit gets that. That's what they really should be crying about, that they get another home game during the playoffs. Uh, Tampa is going to leave sunny Tampa and go to the frigid cold of Detroit, even though it's played in the dome. If you were watching some of the uh, news reports and press conference with Todd Bowles, you'll know what I'm talking about there. But Buccaneers and Lions, are we going to see an upset? Are the Buccaneers going to be able to play enough defense to shut them down a little bit? Are the Lions going to start overthinking this, you know, and being too hype after one win uh, and 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 choke a little bit? They seem like the more quality team at this point. I think it's amazing that Dan Campbell will have them in a position to get into the M- NFC Championship game, a team that I doubted over and over and over again, a coach that I've doubted over and over again. Um, what say you? This is uh this is quite the game. And either one of these teams, it's just amazing that they could end up in the NFC championship. The Detroit Lions will go to the NFC championship. Mark my words. I will have to find a venue that will have some Detroit pizza and somehow get it to my location and bust out my Barry Sanders jersey that I only wear on Thanksgiving because it's going to be that kind of party. I think the Lions cover the spread. They after that type of win and the emotions. Dan Campbell gets it done, and it kind of ends for the Bucs. They're not playing at home anymore. They are a good team. It is a great story. Baker Mayfield has has gotten his head on straight and is sensational. The receivers are still really good over there on the outside. I I think this game is going to be a little higher scoring than people think, but the Lions win by a touchdown, let's say 35 3527. Okay, you're going to go 3527. Frank Ragnow, the the center and you know how much I think the centers are a vital part to an offense and how an offense goes. He's listed as questionable, so I'm sure he's fine, but maybe even dealing with a little something. Something like that would concern me though. A team that likes to bring pressure like the Buccaneers and they're going to want to kind of chase Jared Goff and and make him, you know, he he's not he's not slow, he's not immobile, but he is a guy that you can you can get after a bit. You can pressure him um and get after him. Maybe that's something that you keep an eye on if you're if you're looking at betting on the game or you're looking at, at some of the action from there. Um, yeah, I think the Lions pull it out. I think it's a close game. I, I think that the Bucks really are they don't have anything to lose here. You know, I, I guess neither team really does. I don't think nobody expected really either team to be in this position except those teams themselves. Uh, Todd Bowles, phenomenal job with this squad to be able to do this and hopefully a good game i mean it's a three o'clock game so it's early (laughs) i think it's definitely going to be entertaining but at the end of the day the lie this is so unprecedented especially the collapse of the cowboys how we got here oh my gosh that that kind of turned this bracket on its head right and now the lions are hosting the divisional round they're gonna win. It's gonna be at home. Ford Field is gonna be rocking with the roof closed, and they're gonna make it to the NFC Championship. 
no, you're right. The, the, this is something that, that we just can't gloss over. Uh, the Cowboys had everything tailor-made for them to really march right into the NFC Championship, and this was going to be their year. That performance, and this is going to lead into the next matchup in, in the Packers and the Niners, the performance by the Cowboys, I mean, talk about a dud performance of just, I don't even know how you explain it. I really don't. I just don't know how you can say, you know, it's a choke. It's a choke. It's just a can't figure it out when it comes to the playoffs. It was extremely bizarre how that all went down because it seemed to me. Okay. The turnovers in the first half were horrible. They obviously resulted in a couple of those touchdowns, but even when the offense stopped just turning it over got a little rhythm, got a little mojo. The defense could not get a stop to save their life. Somebody was wide open all the time. And you're talking about a Green Bay team that has a bunch of first and second year receivers, a bunch of young guys that have really gelled and stepped up and and are playing out of their minds. And they're running free and guys in the Cowboys can't make any tackles. Suddenly, Micah Parsons and crew are not blowing anybody up and shutting anybody down. The defensive performance was inexplicably poor, uh, just a complete albatross. They should be embarrassed. It's a joke. Yeah, nothing made sense in that matchup. Jordan Love has arrived. I was not again another guy that needed to grow up a lot, and the Packers were patient. Uh, this dude is a dude. He can play. You know, he can obviously play the position. He's got them in a position to be in the NFC Championship game. Um, this is. But now the 49ers are the I mean, you talk about fat cats sitting sitting pretty right now. Uh for them to be staring at the Lions, Buccaneers, and Packers for a shot to go to the Super Bowl, who is stopping them? There's a reason they're the odds on favor right now against <laughs> for the Super Bowl because you just follow the yellow brick road and it re and it leads right into San Francisco, right there in Santa Clara, where they play now and no one is going to walk in there. That team, you worry about Shanahan and the goofy things that have happened in his past. Remember the Super Bowl, Tom Brady and the Falcons. But none of that's going to happen here. That team is stacked. Anybody that steps in to play them is going to be at a minimum of a 9.10 point underdog. It doesn't matter in both rounds. Not sure this is what Vegas might want for a Super Bowl, though. The San Francisco team is just taking a quick jaunt down to Vegas. But you know, you want you want the Detroit fans and all their pain and misery to to take that flight out of the cold and go to Vegas. Yeah, that would well, it's a wine and cheese crowd heading down. <laughs> All right, let's head on over to the AFC here and let's talk about uh, our teams are involved. So we're we're AFC in it right now. Uh, if we get our dream matchup in the AFC championship, I don't know, look out. It's going to be, sparks are going to be flying in here, uh, but we need both road teams to win. And that might be tough uh, for one, if not both of those teams. Let's talk about my Chiefs first though. Uh, look, the Chiefs, they hit another gear. I knew they would do this. They look like a team that was bored and trying to find something to fire them up. The playoffs do fire them up. It was cold. They know how to win in the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes knows how to win these games. And I don't care what everybody said. Everybody's picking the Buffalo Bills right now and talking about can the Chiefs handle the cold weather in Buffalo. All of that is fine. But I know at the in the back of people's minds, 
they know Patrick Mahomes is showing up on a road game and coming to Buffalo. And this dude knows how to win and beat their teams multiple times. And it's still the Buffalo Bills, ladies and gentlemen. This is not like some franchise that continues to wow you with their dominance. This may be one of the more disappointing franchises when it comes to playoff time and Super Bowls. And Josh Allen, we were all doubting him kind of in the first half of the season. He's turned things around. He's been good, if not great. And But the Chiefs are coming to Buffalo uh, on a mission, on a game that they can absolutely win with an opponent that they're, they're very familiar with. Steve, full disclosure on this one. To me, this is the most intriguing matchup. You hit, hit the nail on the head on a few of these points, but I'll say this. Josh Allen, despite the poor start, his upside when he is playing well, the only guy that is better when Josh Allen is at the top of his game, the only guy that is better is Mahomes. This right now is arguably a matchup of the top two quarterbacks in the league, just of current form, because, you know, the the king is on top of the mountain until he is throned and the usurper takes it. So that's still Mahomes. I don't, this one's tough to call for me because the Chiefs receivers can completely disappear. And that the way Buffalo is playing now up there, how they're rolling and confident. That's not a good scenario for you. And I don't see the Chiefs defense just stymieing Josh Allen and, and all the dynamics that he brings to the game with just how he can run and how he can throw. The Chiefs defense has been fantastic this year. Uh, really gotten rolling here late in the season, too. And they've gelled and they've done it nicely. Yes, it's going to be tough to stop an offense like this. Uh, Pacheco's got to be the guy for me, though. Pacheco can come in here and he can uh, make a little bit of noise. Um, you know, he had some of the injury things going on. The kid runs hard. I think in cold weather like this, if he's able to open up that run game and kind of establish that a little bit, it's just going to open up all the lanes for Mahomes. I think you'll know early what's going to happen in this game as far as how the teams are competing. I, I don't see a blowout. I don't see an all-out classic like we saw with the 17-second the game. But, uh, you know, it's the most intriguing matchup. It's the best matchup on the, the slate probably with two absolute heavyweights tackling one another and it's going to be the Sunday night game. So, you know, it's, it's all positioned here for it to be that night game, cold weather in Buffalo. You got everything you would want. I'm sure Taylor Swift pops in at some point and, and makes an appearance there in Buffalo as well. Uh, Jason Kelsey might even be sitting next to her. What a, what a moment that would be. Huh? I mean, this yeah. is what football's devolved to. Watching where Taylor Swift goes. Yeah. Now, think... Wait a minute, though. The the whole hubbub about her dancing and stuff in the studio. Who cares? Let the lady enjoy the game. I mean, her boyfriend plays for the team. He's one of the best tight ends to ever play the game. Just let her do her thing. What do you want her to do? Sit there and look bored like she's disinterested? Of course, she's having a good time. Oh, I agree. And that's why I think Jason Kelsey, especially since he's got a lot of free time on his hands, will be uh, taking that short puddle jumper over to Buffalo over there on Lake Ontario. <laughs> we'll see what happens in that matchup. How about that? I know, I know you and the rest of the Houston faithful knew before the season started when you drafted CJ Stroud and we were having all those conversations about the draft. You knew that you were going to be sitting here with a chance to go to the AFC championship game on the road against the Baltimore Ravens looking to uh, pull off the shocker. Nine point dog, not getting much love. Uh, but how about that? Texans, Ravens. What a season for the Houston Texans. 
A lot of things went right. An unbelievable draft class, obviously the best in the league. C.J. Stroud, not to overdo the hyperbole, we have lauded his talents here on the show many times, and we will many times more. But it is, if he has the longevity, the way he's playing right now, at 22 years old, he will be the best quarterback in the history of pro Houston sports. That that is unquestionable. He looks like right now where he's a potential 10, 15 year starter and a perennial pro bowler. He is just, he's balling right now. It doesn't matter what they run. If he's under pressure, he's hitting the guy deep. If he's got time in the pocket, he's got a man V man. They're getting the matchups they want. He's throwing dimes. He is making such few mistakes. His decision-making is so good right now. He makes more money throws than anybody else in the league. It's, But at the end of the day, they're going to go to Baltimore, and they're not going to win because historically the Ravens have completely dominated them. I just – I would love to see it. I think they have a puncher's chance, but – you play this nine times out of 10, the Ravens still win because what's going to happen is Lamar Jackson and company are going to run all over them. It's going to be a lot more difficult to stop the run. You got to remember this game against Cleveland that the Houston Texans had. They tricked Joe Flacco. They disguised their coverages really well. They got him to throw two pick sixes. It ended up being the biggest blowout in the history of pro football in the city of Houston, 45-14. They, they looked absolutely amazing. The Ravens are not going to be as suspect to that. They are the best at rushing the quarterback in the league. They have the most sacks. They will get pressure on CJ. Not saying he will crumble, but there's not going to be guys running wide open, and he's going to have time to just set his feet and drop dimes. It's going to be a little bit different conditions up there. It's not going to be the rocking atmosphere, which is a longtime season ticket holder. This was probably the best atmosphere I've ever seen it inside the stadium. It was an amazing environment. It's not going to be like that for the Texans when they go up there and the Ravens can run the ball. They're the leading rushing team in the league. It's going to be tough for the Texans to man up and do it, but we'll see. I'm hoping for it. I'm just not exactly uh, betting the farm, so to speak, that it will happen. Before our next break, uh, if you could sign D'Amico Ryans to a 10-year contract right now to be your head coach for the Houston Texans, would you do it? Yes, because it's pretty clear that him and Nick Casario are on the same page as how they're stocking the cupboard. To me, how they've gotten so much out of draft class and then players like Christian Harris, who he was phenomenal in that playoff game and has really gotten better as a season, he was horrible under the previous regime. You're just seeing improvement of certain players really stepping up. You're just seeing a lot of positives there. You know, the same issue that I was bringing up earlier in the show about a coach being successful and and maintaining his offensive coordinator staff, his defensive coordinator staff from being poached in promotions. That's going to be something to watch with Bobby Slovic and and the staff as it's more recognized, how he handles that would probably be the only trepidation on a 10 year right now, but, there's def- they're sitting there with a lot of cap space and the best draft class in the league. The future's bright in Houston. And, and who would have thought a year ago that I'd be saying that?
it sends shockwaves through that division. That's for sure. I mean, the ja- the Jaguars, the the Colt, they you know they better kind of understand where they're at because C.J. Stroud. Once you've got that quarterback, man, it opens up everything for your team. One more break here. We're gonna come back and we got to talk some EPL soccer time here on the Sports Cube. And we're back here on the Sports Cube. One more final segment. Can't go through an episode without catching up on a little EPL. And, uh, you know, Mike, I'm still kind of in the learning stage of, of EPL and where it goes. But around this time, wintertime, the season kind of changes, slows down. You know, I mean, how do you evaluate kind of this part of the season? This is beginning where you're going to see the separation from the pack of the real true contenders for the title and everybody else. The relegation battle doesn't quite heat up yet, but this is where you start making hay. This is normally where you're waiting for Man City to start making their run as the weather warms up a little bit over there in England later in in the month, early February. not saying it's warm, but it's not as just nasty as you see it when you watch the matches now. Can we talk Everton for a moment? Why not? What's, I mean, what, What's going on there? I mean, and we're not at relegation stage, so I don't want to make any like brash uh, statements uh, as far as, oh boy, you know, one of these household names is sitting on the relegation side of things. But uh, Everton fans can't be too pleased with with where they're at right now. I mean, eight wins, three draws, 10 losses. Uh, what's going on there? What, what are the issues with them why are they so you know towards the bottom of 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 these tables and is it quite simply they just don't know how to put the ball in the back of the net right now and and can't can't get offense going is that is that the issue or what you know what do we feel like um they need to really kind of turn things around and get things moving in the right direction because this is this would not be somewhere you you would expect to see an Everton team at this point of the season, is it? Or is it is it not as surprising? Well, CG, you got to take into account, remember, they got a 10-point penalty for breaking the financial rules. I There's mean, the answer. Merely for profitability <laughs> and sustainability. They were off to a pretty good start before that. And actually, when, once the penalty was handed down, they started to win and rise up. So it's a weird deal. I, I'm trying to, I can't remember the last time that Somebody got hit with something that bad from a financial penalty situation in the EPL. You, you see it more often in Italy and some of the other leagues on the continent, but it, it's a weird deal for them. And, and then they started to win and play better. So Everton, I don't think will get relegated. They never have historically. And they're sitting out of the zone with already this 10 point penalty applied. I don't think they get relegated CG. But look at the look at the way that they ended December. I mean, you look at that Tottenham game, they lose two to one, right? And then you take a look at the Man City game, they lose three one. Then they lose to Wolves three zero. And then again, they just go cold. Now they're in the um, you know, played recently, as most recently today, and actually got back in the win column here against Crystal Palace in a one zero, uh t- talking about the FA Cup. So, you know, is this the moment that we say, okay. Now uh, enough is enough. They start to turn it around. They start their rise and their ascent, and and th- they'll be just fine as the season does progress. Um, and the, the, it's just way too early to have any kind of concerns or or even start thinking that way because that would be a shocking development if it happened. I think the relegation zone is almost about set. 
the teams at the bottom just seem very hopeless to me. They're not good. Yeah. Same thing, Lutton. Luton Town, sorry. My my poor English pronunciation. You <laughs> think I would be fluent. Um, those teams are just putrid. And I, I, what you see right now on the table is going to be who's going to be relegated. I don't see Brentford or Everton or Forest or Palace getting so cold that they drop into this zone of the abyss that these bottom feeders are sitting at. So the relegation battle for 2024 is not going to be as interesting as we've had in the past. Okay. So at this point in the season, and let's do this. So I'm going to go to the top 10 actually on the table right now. And uh, if I can get kind of your, your quick thoughts on where these teams are at and what you think will end up happening. I think I know with the top two, that's going to be pretty easy to dissect what you may think there. Um, but let's start with, uh, you know, a team like Newcastle United, uh, taking a look at them at nine, two and 10, uh, with the 41 goals, uh, for, you know, it seems like they know how to put the ball in, in the back of the net. Like I said, a nine, a plus nine goal differential, uh, where do you see them, uh, going into this, uh, different part of the season? Probably about the same place. The defense is not as locked down. Remember last season, they got a lot of draws. His, their team defense was extremely solid, goalkeeping good with Pope. They got Trippier, who's just a, a really good winger, nice crosses. They seem to win games. Callum Wilson putting them in, you know, one nil, a lot of draws. The defense has allowed a lot more. I, I see them staying where they're at. Chelsea's sitting at ninth right now. I mean, what do you see with Chelsea? And are we going to see them start to climb a little bit? Are they going to sit right where they're at too? I, I think they're a decent candidate to climb. It's tough to tell. They've had a lot of roster turnover, but some of the signings that they've had are starting to pan out. They're starting to get a little healthier. They're probably about right where they're at, but they, they could they could make a run closer to the top six. Uh, Brighton, you take a look at Brighton uh, and Hove Albion. What, what, what do you think there at eight? I would say the same thing. It's a very solid squad. I like a lot of their players in DFS but they're not going to make a run to the top four. Or one, of our, top one, of, one of our favorite uh, topics, Manchester United sitting at seven. Uh, kind of an anomaly as far as, I, I don't know. What, do you, what, what What's your take there? They're kind of an embarrassment right now. Look at their yeah. goal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's your team right now, CG. Why am I pimping them right now on air? Well, because, you know, I just... I keep waiting for that moment. I keep waiting for that moment for me to just, you know, start singing and 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 knowing that this is the one franchise that I can be a little bit familiar with from the past and understanding, you know, their success. And they have just underachieved and just been so mediocre here the past, I don't know, a long time, really. And definitely since we started this show uh, to where there's nothing to brag about. I can only say, you know, maybe my man Texas Mike has found a hidden gem in there somewhere to to relieve me of this the the doldrums of sitting in seventh place and being okay with that. There's just there's nothing exciting going on over there. Nothing. I, I don't nothing. know what to say. It's the curse of CG. That's what I blame it on. Yes, they've been run over by another team in, in the, the same area territory. So I mean, it, it doesn't get much worse than that. All right, let's take look a look at that roster too. There's really no excuse. Like they have some good players. I don't know why it's not working out. And Bruno Fernandez is is the, definitely the kind of talisman linchpin player that you can build around. I, I just don't get it. West Ham United, where are we talking about them? They're sitting at six. 
a nice surprise to the season. I don't think they hold the sixth position. They probably drop a little back closer to 10th, but it's been a great story. The Hammers, the East London squad getting it done. It's It's been a nice ride. I mean, at one point, what, they were third or fourth in the table earlier in the season. So th- this, is, this has been a dream season. Yeah, they recently had a loss, but before that, they ripped off three wins in a row. I... We'll, we'll see. Like I said, I, I don't. I, I don't think they hold their current position. They'll drop back a little bit, but they're fun to watch. And like I said, I like a lot of their players. Uh, we seem to have a true team. Tottenham Hotspur sitting there at fifth. Well, they were odds on early on. They came out the gates on fire, first place a little bit. I Tottenham's in your typical battle with their crosstown rivals and my team arsenal it's going to be uh it's going to be a tight finish with them I, I think tottenham finishes in the top 6 undoubtedly talk about arsenal you talk about your team just mentioned them they're sitting there at number 4 and you know consistent steady and and right there in the number 4 spot well considering they were sitting at number 1 the last <laughs> time we did this show <laughs> i'm i'm not too happy with their current form uh, I, I will leave it at that. This this has been a little bit of a disappointment. They can right the ship. They have one win in their last five. You cannot go on cold stretches like that in the winter months and not counter with a four out of five wins and then think you're going to be able to chase down Liverpool or Man City. And that's just that's just the reality of it. Arsenal needs to play better. The defense needs to be better. They need to stop allowing so many goals. The goalkeeping needs to be better. The same things, themes that we've been talking about earlier in the show. When, when I listed my concerns, I said, you know, is, is Raya going to be good enough? I, I don't know. And it's not looking that way. Surprise of the season for you, Aston Villa now sitting in the top three. I mean, they've got to be a, a fairly, a, a bit of a surprise maybe to, to those that are casual fans, me. Mainly. It's a really cool story, honestly. Nobody saw this coming. Same kind of thing. Like they got a real solid goalkeeper, former Arsenal reject. Emmy Martinez, Argentina World Cup winner, starts in the back. They, they got some good defenders. Maddie Cash there running on the wing. Nice solid player lets in a lot of crosses. Same thing with Digny on the other side. I know that I'm mispronouncing the French over there, but it, it they run and gun, they're entertaining. John McGinn is is awesome there up front. Douglas Louise, they're they're, they're solid. There's nothing you can say about it. I I see them maybe for that last Champions League spot, it's going to be them or Tottenham. And then you talk about these top two teams, Man City, uh, City at number two. They're going to be right there at the finish line. Uh, And Liverpool, you know, has made this run and Liverpool sits atop uh, the table right now. Uh, both teams fairly even. I mean, if you take a look at some of the numbers and the goals for or against and uh, Liverpool doing a nice job of keeping goals out of the net uh, and and being defensive stalwart. I mean, looking at, what, 18 goals against right now at this point of the season, uh, they have been a wall. I mean, they've been able to to make sure that they control things defensively. Jurgen Klopp is probably the best manager in the EPL. And he got Liverpool right. He focused on it. Mo Salah is back in amazing form. 
If I told you who is the leading scorer right now in the English Premier League, who would you say? Who would I say? Who is our, it? Our, our, our guy Erling Holland. And who is tied with him? <laughs> Mo Salah. <laughs> who has way more assists than Erling Holland and is leading the EPL in assists. Mo Salah. So this guy is back on form. And when he is, it is dangerous. The goalkeeping is good. Becker's been solid back there. They're not having a defensive state. The the mistakes that you would see from Trent Alexander-Arnold and just some of the miss, mental lapses you would see that would cause them to have these bad games, they're on the rise. I, I, I don't think – obviously, I'm not going to pivot off Man City until they have been dethroned. I've been going to that well since we started that podcast. But if there's anybody that can do it, it's Liverpool. Fabulous job as always, my man. We cannot finish an episode of the Sports Cube without Texas Mike's final thought. And you've had six weeks to develop this final thought of uh, how you'd like to end the show. Uh, if this is a Dynamo shout out, though, I'm throwing my computer uh, out the window into the sub 16 degree temperature right now. Uh, there's no way that this is going to be a Houston Dynamo shout out. I'm guessing this is going to be maybe something Houston related, but uh, who are we? Who are we giving love to here to close things out on the sports queue? First show of the new year. If you want me to throw in something very obscure, Houston, that even is less followed than the Dynamo, check out in the spring the United Football League, the merged Houston Roughnecks and Houston Gamblers. The Houston Gamblers have now been wiped off the map again. And no longer exists. Unbelievable. <laughs> Hearts breaking across the city of Houston. I can't believe it. <laughs> hey, this is CG. That's Texas Mike. Always great to have you guys with us. We got plenty more coming up here. We'll be recording some weekly shows with uh, some more days off and getting things done. And let's not have that, that hiatus again. Let's try to get our things in order and maybe a nice summer ahead too. But all kinds of fun stuff. Good luck this weekend. Good luck in the playoffs. Texas Mike. Always good to see you, my man. Stay warm, CG. Uh, I'll try my best. All right, we'll see you guys next time here on The Sports Cube.